I am convinced more and more, as we're soaking ourselves in the presence of the Lord, I'm convinced more and more of what God's wanting to do in 2019, what He's after. Uh, months back, Jane was praying, whatever, and she just felt the Lord say, um, the prophetic, she was praying about the prophetic, but she felt the Lord say in the prophetic that it needs a new wineskin. Um, the new wine needs to have a new wineskin in terms of the prophetic. And she shared that, and it began to stir in my heart. We began to pray, and as a family, as we've been praying, I just felt like the Lord saying it's way bigger than that. Um, it's, I love what Connor shared last week. It's a new covenant wineskin. It's not we don't change wineskins. We just don't try this wine, and then that's nice. It works on this wineskin, then we try some more wine. Yeah, and it works on this wineskin, and we keep changing the wineskin because of the wine. Uh, amen, because the wineskin's got to do with the wine. We do understand that. Uh, there's not new gimmicks. There's not new, new culture in the church all the time. We're changing as we see um, uh, the culture changing. And hey, it was smoke screens, but they don't seem to be in anymore. Smoke screens. Smoke machines. Smoke screens. There were smoke screens. Um, there were smoke machines, and there was lights, and there was action, and, and now we're changing according to the culture. No. We are developing, we are growing in the Lord, we are maturing in God because of the one, and we're understanding and get a revelation about the one. Amen. And the one is Jesus, by the way. The Holy Spirit is here and flows in our lives to elevate and exalt Christ. He is the one. And the wineskin is family. Now you can all go home. You've got it. Just told you it all now. See, the wine is Jesus and the wineskin is family. And we're getting more and more in a greater revelation of Jesus Christ, which is helping us understand the wine. But how many know the Bible makes it very simple? It says to us, you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. Because what happens? The old wines can, can't stretch and grow and be flexible to take this new wine. So it just bursts, and then you waste the wine. So what's happening is new revelation is coming about Christ. We're getting an understanding about Christ. But as we're getting a revelation about Christ, and we're going, oh, that's really great. We haven't got the right wineskin. The wineskin's not flexible enough because the wineskin is family. Let me share it like this. The church, for a long time, has believed that eternal life is a prayer that takes you to heaven. When the Bible says eternal life is the restoration of a relationship with the Father. So if eternal life is a prayer that takes me to heaven, then it's a self-benefit. See, you can get a revelation of Jesus Christ, but you can still make him a self-benefit. Or you can get a revelation that it's a restoration of a relationship with the Father and if it's a restoration of a relationship with a father, it puts me into a 
family. Now it's a family benefit. So when I get born again, I get a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I want him to come and to do everything that he needs to do in the wineskin of family. Not in the wineskin of self. So God is bringing incredible revelation, but if it's being outworked in the benefit of self, the wineskin is not flexible enough, it's popping. And the wine is getting spilt. It's very quiet. Let me just touch on the two this morning and then hopefully we go somewhere in whatever time is left. Eight minutes, no, okay. <laughs> Can't drive very far in eight minutes. You see, God's desire, let's just, God's desire always has been about restoring a relationship with Him. It's about knowing Him, right? Don't let singing songs, don't let attending church take the place of knowing Him. Don't let your personal devotional time take the place of knowing Him. Because you can sit there and go through all the, tick the boxes, I'm having my devotional time now. You can actually go through a, a annual year a reading plan for the Bible and miss knowing Him. How many, I've got to do three verses from Proverbs, one Psalm, four verses from, I mean, one Peter. I'm on track with my reading plan for the year. Don't let those things take the place of knowing God. Don't speak to others more than you speak to God. Karabashande. It's church about knowing Him. Ephesians chapter 2, I think it's verse 8, where it says, We are saved by grace through faith. So the reality of our lives as we get to know God, it's putting faith in the truth. And when we put faith in the truth, the grace of God comes to make that truth my reality. Amen? Saved by grace through faith. I get to know God. As I get to know Him, I know who He is. I put my faith in that truth. And when I put my faith in that truth, grace comes. Friends, you don't have to ask for grace, pop veins for grace. Grace comes. Grace always comes. You don't earn grace. You don't deserve grace. Grace comes. Grace came to this earth 2,000 years ago. Grace always comes. When you stand before the throne room of God, you will obtain mercy, but you will find grace in your time of need. Why do you find grace? Because grace comes. 
You obtain mercy. When you stand before the throne of God, you obtain mercy. Why? You shouldn't be before the throne of God. You obtain mercy. Because when I stand before him, I am standing as in new mercies. Thank you, Lord, that I can stand there. But I find grace. I've heard it preached often, well, you know, find, you know, you've got to go search for it. No, you just find it. It's like, oh, wow, there's grace here. Because when you're standing before his throne room, there's grace. Because grace is sitting at the right hand of God. You see, you can't do this outside of a relationship. That's why it's about knowing Him. See, people say, eternal life, prayer, you pray, ask for forgiveness. Jesus said, this is eternal life. John chapter 17. To know Him. If I was a betting man, I put my money on Jesus. To know him, to stand, to gaze on him, to know him, to get to know him is what it's all about. And it can only be done in relationship. And in relationship with him, I'm getting to know him. As I'm getting to know him, I'm getting to know who he is. That truth, I'm putting my faith in that truth. And grace is coming and it's making it my reality in my life. So I'm becoming more and more and more like Christ. Amen? And we should know this, but I'm just reinforcing in our lives. See, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1, it says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies or builds up. So you can quote scriptures. You can actually even finish the scriptures that somebody else is busy saying. but you can still be harsh. You can still be cold. Amen? Yeah. You see, knowledge puffs up. It's good to have knowledge, but if it's just knowledge, it puffs up. It's love that builds and that edifies. That's why we weren't called to have a whole bunch of knowledge. We were called to love. We were called to minister God's love. See, the more you get to know Him, the more you understand that you have been called to love. You've been called to be loved. The more we elevate Jesus, the more we put Him in His rightful place, we become like Him. And who, and who is He? He's love. See, everything Jesus did, He didn't do as God. Because otherwise, when He came to the disciples and he said, follow me. He was asking them to follow God. How many know none of us can follow God? But we can follow love. See, God's perfect. In 1 John chapter 4, 
Let's go there quickly. 1 John chapter 4. I just felt it in the room there. When Jesus said, follow me, he didn't say, look at me at a distance and drive your car, 17 cars behind me and just follow me and watch where I'm doing and what I'm doing. When he said, follow me, he meant, follow me, do what I do. Act how I act. Operate how I operate. Friends, you can't follow God. You follow love because he made us to be love. It's impossible. We are, can't, we are not little gods. I'll unpack that. I think at another time. Let me. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He gives one reason and one reason only here why we can love. It doesn't even say because we studied the Word of God. It doesn't even say because you can preach from the pulpit. There's one reason. It says we love because we know Him. Let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Talking about a Bible love here. It's talking about us exalting and lifting up the name of Jesus. Amen. Because we lift up love. We are transformed and we become like Him. And we allow that truth to come over our lives. I am called to be love. Do you know that you and I, when we're born again, do not wake up to be loved? If you can catch this, you'll catch the reality of the gospel. We get born again. We do not wake up anymore to be loved. We wake up to love because I am love. I have become love. See, there's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to See, every single one of us have been trained in the wrong home. We were homeschooled by the world, not by heaven. See, when you and I get born again, we get grafted back into the vine. What is the vine? Love. You have to get grafted back in. You cannot love unless you know God. When you get grafted back in, you, 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 you get grafted back into the source, love. You cannot love without being grafted back into the source of love. And then that means you can now love. You can't do this in your own strength. You can't try. 
You see, what happens when we do this, we're transformed into a people that begin to see others differently. So when I get born again, I get transformed. And when I get transformed, I begin to see others differently. I begin to see them for their potential, their purpose, their, the, the original design that God had for them. That's why the wine has to have the right wine skin. So that when I begin to allow God to come and to do all that he wants to do in my life, the promises of God are all yes in my life. And I can sit here and I can't try and make all those promises now yes and bring them as a reality in my life. But at the end of the day, I just about kill myself because when I look at truth and allow grace to come and truth becomes my reality, when truth comes my reality, I realize that I'm loved and the wineskin is family. And the wineskin is all about others, not just about me. Suddenly, this whole picture, no longer about me, my job, my promotion, my uh, three kids, my family, my house, my car, my this, my that. Because it can be like that, friends, but then there's no wineskin, and the wineskin, friends, if it's not family, friends, cannot take the revelation of truth. So what's happening in the church is that we have individuals that are growing and that are developing, individuals that are happening, friends, but the body looks deformed. I don't know if you drive along, uh, what is that, uh, is it Main Road or by Clay Oven there, and you'll see these adverts on the poles there, you've got this guy standing there, something's about a bicycle shop or whatever, and, that, and he's got these huge, big muscles, but his legs look like little, little poles. And it's an advert for bicycle, you know, you need to get a bicycle, maybe grow a little bit of something. I don't know, if you, uh, do you guys go to gym? I don't know. If you go to gym sometimes, you'll see some guys, the guy has got humongous arms, but the rest of his body, body looks terrible. But the reality is he's so arrogant, when he goes into the gym, he does biceps. Checking in the mirror, everyone else looking. He's got this little... Bodies deformed, friends, you don't just work on one little part because it's arrogance. When you get this revelation, you understand the wineskin, it's for the whole body. How many know the whole body shares one part? Not a whole bunch of hearts, one heart. The revelation that we've got to get and understand is that God wants a heart of flesh. Why? Because a heart of flesh is a yielded heart. A heart of flesh is an open heart. A heart of flesh is a transparent heart. A heart of flesh is a real heart, a true heart. See, the more as we get a revelation of Jesus Christ and we make it about us, friends, we begin to harden our heart. And how many know when you begin to harden a heart, when the arteries begin to harden, what happens? The blood can't flow to the different parts. And ultimately, you can have a heart attack. 
See, Christ never wanted us to have big rock hearts. He said, I took that heart of stone out so that you can have a heart of flesh. Because Jesus is our rock. See, he's our foundation. He's the one that we stand on. That's what Connor was sharing last week. He was just sharing about humility rather than vulnerability. And there's, you can get into a big debate about vulnerability. In simple terms, vulnerability, if you study it in the English dictionary, it's, it's just an uncomfortable word because I don't like the English dictionary meaning which is exposed to harm or to attack. When your heart becomes soft, a heart of flesh, when your heart becomes open, when your heart becomes how God wants your heart to be, it's standing on the rock. When your heart is born again, when your life has Christ as the center and the rock, friends, then never again will your heart be exposed. Adam and Eve, naked, unashamed. There's no exposing going on because love covers. So our hearts stay fresh. They stay real. They stay open. They stay transparent because they are seated. They are standing on the rock. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 Christ is the foundation on which we are standing. Matthew 7 talks about the storms that come in life. And um, it says, um, you can build your house either on the rock or you can build it on the sand. My money's on building it on the rock. Because it tells you there that it stands when the storms come. Your house is built on the rock. And then it talks about those that are hearers and doers build on the rock. Those that are hearers and don't do it. Friends, the reality there is we put our foundation and our trust in Jesus Christ. We're not just hearing, we're also doing. We're operating in obedience to the word of God. He becomes our rock. There's a reality here, friends, about the wine and the wineskin, about it being centered first and foremost on the rock. Jesus Christ. My Bible tells me that you can either fall on the rock and you may get broken. In fact, you will get broken because he wants to establish something new. And he doesn't want the old. He doesn't want to repair the old. He doesn't want to just modify the old. He wants completely new. So you fall on the rock. That's a surrender to the rock, to Christ, to who he is, to his all. Deny yourself. I deny. Pick up your cross. What's your cross? Simply your will. You have to die. Your will dies, and then Christ is made alive in you. There is something about a surrender if you fall on the rock. But if the rock falls on you, it says that you just get smashed. I haven't got time to unpack it. I wish I could. I just want to go somewhere. 
in, in no minutes. Just pretend the sun stood still for just a few more minutes. You see, when you begin to see people for their purpose and their potential and their value, then you separate people from what they are doing and what they are called to or created for. And that's absolutely key for the people of God and for us to walk in the fullness of what God's called us to. You've got to separate out from what people are doing and what they've been created for, their value, their purpose, their destiny, how God sees them. Amen? Amen. You see, the reality is here, if we don't do that, friends, then we are not operating as Christ and as love because Christ did that for you and I. He didn't look what you and I were doing and change his mind. Actually, I really thought that guy was actually a good guy, but good grief. Changed my mind now. Next. So when we look at the life of Christ, we want to be like Christ when we look at him, friends. Just think about Jesus, the most perfect, the most pure, the most amazing man that ever walked this planet, right? Here's Barabbas, who's killed somebody, and they want to set him free. And here's Jesus, who's raising people from the dead, and they want to kill him. Here's Barabbas, who's go, going around stirring nonsense and conspiracies, whatever, and stirring the people up, and rebellion, and all that kind of stuff, and he has people going around talking peace. Yet the most perfect man is slandered, he's abused, he's accused, he's attacked, he's spat on, yet never changed who he was. It's called love. And he says, follow me. He's called us to something amazing and something wonderful here. Friends, and the only way you can understand this is through a right wine and wineskin. And the wineskin of family is absolutely vital in this understanding. We were made in his image, we know this, for his image, for his glory, to house his glory. What's his glory? His nature and his character. The Bible says we are being transformed from glory to glory, more and more displaying the very nature and the character of God. Can I, I'll just say this very quickly, it's just a thought that dropped in. One of the greatest and the highest demonstrations of God on the earth is marriage. Because it's taking two people with different personalities, different purposes, different plans, and it's bringing them together into one purpose, one plan, one focus. It's the surrendering of two lives into one focus and one desire and one purpose, one heart, one plan. It's the amazing demonstration of Jesus Christ on this earth. Because it's, that's the wine and that's the wineskin. It's a surrendering of myself. It's a surrendering of my will, my ways. It's a surrendering of I want my rights, my, my everything. And it's coming together for one purpose, one plan with a focus on not mine, but his. 
a life that is transformed into laying down its life for something other than myself. Friends, simply humility is taking your eyes off yourself and putting it on something else. That's what humility is. That's why God opposes the proud, friends, and he, and he gives grace to the humble because it's surrendering of ourselves. You cannot do this. You cannot have a wineskin unless the right wineskin to carry what Christ is wanting to do in our lives. You cannot be loved if you do not have the right wineskin. See, the goal is to become the man or woman he created us to be, to be transformed. What I love with Jesus is he loved everybody without becoming like them. I could unpack, I'm dropping things out here that are just, you see, Jesus came to restore life, to redeem life, to redeem purpose, to redeem value. That's why he could look at a woman caught in adultery, freshly caught in adultery. Why would he judge the woman caught in adultery? When he came to redeem, he came to bring back value and purpose. Friends, what he first thing he had to do is to make sure she was set free from her sin and then he said, where are your accusers? There's nobody here accusing you. You need to go and sin no more. That's love. You see, life tries to tell you and I who we are, what, our, what we are worth, and what we will be. None of it is, untrue, is true unless you believe it. You see, we try to find our identity in what we have been through. Every single one of us finds our identity in what we have been through. It's why people cling to their stories. They have identified themselves along the journey of their lives. Their journey and all the parts of their journey make up the whole of who they are. Their past is part of them. All of that is unbiblical. The past is dead. It has nothing to do with you and who you are now. Because you have to die to live. So your past dies. I'm not being unsensitive when I say this, but I'll just say this. It's irrelevant that you had an alcoholic dad. It's irrelevant that your dad or your mom never said to you, I love you. How many of you heard this? I can't receive the love of a father because I never had the love of a father. You don't know my dad. You don't know what he was like to me. I had a great dad, by the way. Okay. I had a great dad. Thank you for the, <laughs> the support there. Because, friends, when we say I can't receive the love of a father because I never had the love of a father, why are you relating the two? I don't find the love of God through the love of my father. 
I find the love of God through His Son. I want to find the love of God, I find it through Jesus Christ. I find it through what He did for me. He paid the eternal price, friends. I don't find it through, I never had this, I never got that. Why are we even comparing and why are we even relating it? It's simply a trap and it's trying to sweep away another generation that's hardening its heart because God has let them down. They're feeling unloved, disappointed. God is not satisfying their needs. For the sake of being biblical, Matthew 23, 9 says, call no man father. It doesn't mean you can't give a Father's Day card to your father or call him father. What it's meaning is that your lineage goes all the way back to the beginning of time. Don't put your trust in a biological father. Put your trust in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Amen? What does it benefit to exchange our horror stories? It really does not benefit us at all. It's not about what we have been through. It's about what He has been through. We only talk about our story, but it's His story where you find life. He wants my life to count for His story. See, ask yourself this question. Why would he give you grace to travel a road he never asked you to? He asked you to be loved. I know this is deep. So let me give you an example, and I'm landing. No, in fact, I never land. I just stop. But anyway, I pretend I'm landing. Let me just say this, y'all. Let me give you this example. God's called us to put Jesus, to be Christ-centered, to be Christ-focused, to be Christ-conscious, to put him in his rightful place. He is head, he is Lord, he is the rock, he is my everything, he is king, he is my focus, my identity, everything who I am is Jesus Christ. And he's asked me in that, as I stand in that truth, as I allow that truth to become my reality, I get transformed into becoming love. And when I get transformed into becoming love, the only way I can be transformed into becoming love is to have a heart of flesh. That's a heart of, of openness, transparency, realness, yieldedness to God. So when we come together as the family of God, we should be able to trust one another with our hearts. But the reality is not everybody is on the right page or the right place or whatever, so we need to be able to trust one and those that we feel have the same heart and that will protect our hearts. So we can be vulnerable 
with our hearts, or let me use a, another word and say we can be open, we can be real, we can be transparent with our hearts, with each other, or with people that we trust. So we can share about where we are, are challenged and transparent and the difficulties. But when love comes along to that heart, it doesn't want to leave that heart in that place. It wants to take it to the place of transformation. It wants to take it to the place of liberty where the, the, the blood can flow freely again to all the different parts. Amen? So when I come to a person and they're sitting there and they're sharing their heart and they're telling me, it's just, it's so difficult, my boss is just terrible and I just, I hate my work and everything's, when love comes to that person, friends, they can stand alongside that person and they can hear and they can even sympathize with that person. Oh, Lord. Let me, I'll read it for you. You can't, don't go there. Hebrews chapter 4, quickly. Hebrews chapter 4. Let me just read Hebrews chapter 4. I think I can read it. Hebrews chapter 4. Um, it says this, since, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Jesus comes, friends, and he says he has sympathy for our weaknesses, and he's been tempted in every way, yet without sin. When he comes and he sympathizes with our weaknesses, he's not sympathizing from a sin point of view to a sin point of view. There's no sin inside of him. The key in all of that is without sin. So he comes with a frailty. If you understand that, you can go and study it and understand it in the Greek. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, same illustration, but comes in the likeness of flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. That, that Greek word there is he sympathizes as best as he can so that he can be helpful and loving. It will be unhelpful for Christ to come and sympathize with us in our sin as a sinner because then he's no longer a high priest and he no longer can help us. So when there's a sympathizing with our weaknesses, friends, it's an understanding of the frailty of humanity. It's understanding what we're going through, friends. But it, he never leaves us there, friends, because it's not a sympathy of sin. So he comes along and he comes alongside us, friends, and he then begins to declare truth, begins to declare to us to take us out of that place and to take us into a place of victory where the blood can flow again to every single part of the body. Amen. So when we come alongside, friends, if you sit there and you say, oh, no, Susie, oh, I feel for you, shame, Susie, it's all just, uh, it's terrible and wow, and um, yes, Bob is a terrible man. All you do, friends, is create a victim and a villain. And then she sits in a victim mentality, and every time she needs something, she picks up the phone and she phones the prayer group. And she says, just pray for me today. Bob has just been exceptionally hard today. 
And it's very hard now in my prayer time to pray for Bob because he is a horrible man. But the reality is, Susie right then and there, friends, is in trouble. She is taking strain. I sympathize with her weaknesses, friends, but I've gotta come and bring love to her to take her out of that because she's not a victim, friends. She's a daughter of God. And friends, Bob is crying out because he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know his identity and he's doing things which a, a son of God should not be doing. But he needs the love of God. He needs Jesus. And Susie needs Jesus. And guess where Jesus is? Inside of you. Up. Come, let me show you, Susie. You don't have to let where somebody is not determine where you are. So Bob is not in a place and he's being horrible. So because Bob is not in a place and being horrible, he now determines where I'm at. I'm down, I'm depressed, I'm sad because Bob is not doing what he should be doing. When Jesus Christ paid the price for this, friends, it's covered, the love covers it, it's under the blood of Jesus. Now I'm not gonna let somebody else determine who I am or where I am my value and who I am in God. I'm not gonna let their voice speak louder than truth. I'm not gonna let their voice be my reality. I'm not gonna let truth be my reality. The truth of God's word tells me a lot about who I am. Everything is yes in Christ. Amen. Are we listening or are we? Am I going over the heads here? I don't know. I've tried not to blow a valve or get all excited. <laughs> you know, I'm not angry with anyone. I love, I love the word. I love what God's trying to show us. I love, I love this walk that he's got us on. I love that this is the last end day's fullness. If we can understand Christ as the one, it's a new and a living way, Jesus. And Holy Spirit comes to elevate, to put Christ in his rightful place, to bring truth. Because when you know truth, it sets you free. So he wants to set us free to know truth, and then he wants the right wineskin, which is family. That means every lens that I look through now is not about me, it's about family. Everything that I do, every part of the body is all connected together, one heart shared by a whole family. We all work together for the family. And this is not mafia, this is family, familia. This is family, friends, because we've been connected back to the Father. And He's the head, and He, it's for His glory, not mine, anymore. I no longer live for me, but I live for Him. So friends, now that it's His glory, ask whatever you will. But I ask, and then He gives it to me, friends, and then my wineskin causes it to splatter. And that's why I said these are the days now that we're living in, friends, if we do not begin to operate like this, your foundations are going to be shaken. And you find out in the testing of your faith, where am I at? Am I genuine? Am I really genuine? Otherwise, it exposes my heart, and I have to make an adjustment in my heart. I'm saying make the adjustments in your heart now so that we can live free so that the blood 
of Jesus can flow freely from the heart to every single part of the body. He wants to bless every single part. There's no part more important than any other part. He's wanting us to mature, to grow up. He wants the body of Christ to mature and grow up. There should be no needy one amongst us. Why? Because we care about one another. The right wineskin. We care about this family growing, developing. We care about people coming into this family. We care. I care about CLC. Because I love them. They're my brothers and sisters. And maybe they take my parking. But I'm called to be loved, friends. That shouldn't irritate me. But the reality is, friends, we sh- you don't do this by biting your, mm, I'm gonna love them no matter what. You'll blow a valve and you'll never do it. It's just a surrendering. Go back to surrendering. Woohoo! It's Holy Spirit. Woo, need some more shaking. Need some more drinking. Need some more Holy Spirit. Just come. Woo, oil. Because it's about knowing Him. It's about relationship. You can't be transformed without relationship. When you have that relationship, then you have the right wineskin. Because when I have that relationship and I see He loved me and He sacrificed and it wasn't all about Him. He didn't just do His own thing. He came and gave His life. Then I want to give my life. And I love this wineskin, I want to help, and I want to be loving, and I want the body of Christ to grow and mature and shine for Jesus. Amen? Amen? And then I'm strong, because when I go to work, I don't care where my boss is at, I know where I'm at. I bring Jesus into my workplace. He can say and do whatever he wants, I'm going to shine Jesus. And the more he does whatever, I'm going to keep shining Jesus, more Jesus. And if he fires me, God knew that, nothing surprised God, so I'm going to find another job because it's God who opens doors and no man can shut it. Amen. Shall we stand? Now, I want to encourage you and say I love every single one of you, and um, I hope I've said this in the most loving and most wonderful way, uh, that every single one of you are not upset with me, and because it's been 14 years, I want to continue, so... (laughs) No, I'm teasing. The reality is I want to encourage every single one of us that it's faith working through love. Luke, if you want a title of the message, that was the title. I never got to that part, but anyway, that was the title. Faith working through love. I want us as a church to catch this revelation. I want us as a church to live in this revelation that it's all about Jesus that he is our focus, he's our everything, and that he's the wine, and the wineskin is family. And as much as I love my family, I love my dad and mom, they're in the congregation, I love my brothers and sisters, I love Jane, I love, I love, I love, I love. Friends, family, those are all tops. The real is family. We're here for one another. So what I felt today was just to pray over families, over pray over our family and to pray over marriages. Because how many know marriages actually, as I shared, depict the very character and nature of God? 
And they depict this one and one skin very, very well. Just like Jesus when he was talking, or Paul was writing, Holy Spirit's, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5, talking about husband and wives, and then he says, I'm actually talking about the church. This picture of Christ and the church, of this oneness, where a whole big body of people lay down their lives and become one with the head, with Christ, with one heart, one purpose, one mind, one spirit. I wanna just pray, and I, I, if, you, if you're one of those people, just you can lift your hands or just open your heart right now. I wanna pray over the marriages in this house. I wanna say, God help us. There's such a spirit of independence, a spirit of, of arrogance or pride, a spirit of wanting to do this thing on our own or ourselves or our own will, own way. And it cuts right across what the Holy Spirit's saying right now. And I ask, Lord God, that you would help us by your grace and your mercy. None of us can do this on our own. We cannot do it without Holy Spirit. But that we would let go of ourselves. We would deny ourselves. You'd help us to truly become one in our marriages, Lord. Husband and wives, as spouses, Lord God, I ask that you would bring fresh vision, a renewed determination, a renewed motivation, a renewed understanding of what you've called us to that we are displaying the very love of God, the very splendor of God, the very, very beauty of God. That we lay down our purpose and our, our things and what we think and we, we go after what He thinks and His purpose and His plan and His design. And we let love lead, we let love design, we let love dictate. I ask the Lord that you would come like a flood into our marriages and that you would strengthen them at this time. That we would be beacons of light and examples to the world around us, Lord. Father, we were called to shine in our marriages. We were called to shine in our families. I pray over the families of the church. Every one of our kids, Lord God, faced with the challenges, crazy challenges, difficult challenges in school, varsities, Every single area, there's just so much attack on our kids. And it's all to try and break a unity, a unity of faith, a unity of love, a unity of a body, a unity of a family, where we stand together with one another, where we work together with one another, where we help one another, where we are for one another. And ultimately, Lord, I wanna pray for every single one of us for unity in the Spirit. We ask today that you would be Lord, that you would be King, that you would be the rock on which we stand, that Lord, we would no longer try and be strong, try and pretend that we can do this thing, try and hide behind this facade of a, of a hard exterior or a tough exterior, when inside we're crying out, Lord, when inside we're broken, 
I ask that you would come, Lord Jesus, and break off that shackle of hardness, that exterior, that veneer, that we would be able to be free to be exposed, to reveal our hearts, Lord God, to you. Because you are love and you will never expose or cause harm, but you will cover a multitude of sins. I pray, Father, we become real in front of you, in front of each other. We'd allow your Holy Spirit to come. We'd allow the light of God to rush into every single room, the love of God to rush into every single room of our lives. No vacancies. Jesus is occupied. Every area of my life, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I thank you, Lord God, no matter what I've walked, that today my past, I am free from my past. I cut myself free from my past in the name of Jesus. It will no longer dictate my identity, who I am. I no longer have to be tethered to anything of my past. But I am a new creature in Christ and I begin to declare who I am from this moment on. Because I did not have a good father does not mean I will not be a good father. Because I have a heavenly father. I have the greatest father. I will be the best father that I could ever be. Because I was never spoken love over my life or nobody said, I love you does not mean I cannot love others because I have been cut free from that. I am a new creature in Christ. I am loved and I have been transformed to become love and I will love and I don't need love. I am love and I will be the fullness of love to those around me. I will live in my identity and inheritance of God. I will walk in it I will no longer, Father, fall short because I am the head and not the tail. I am above and I'm not beneath. So thank you today, Lord God, that you are doing a transforming work in this community of believers. That this is an oasis of love, a place where the broken and the hurting can come. Not only to be surrounded and ministered to and to for us to love and sympathize with their weaknesses, but a place where they can be restored back to who they really are and to their true identity. A place where marriages are restored, a place where families are restored, a place where every single person is valued and honored in God for who God designed them to be, not for what they have done. That Abraham who had never even had a kid could be called Abraham, the father of many nations because that's who God designed him to be. Amen. That Jacob's name could be changed to Israel because God had designed him. God, may we see each other in your design. May we know each other in your design. May we value each other because of your design and value. God, we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this church 24-7, Lord. For truly as your wine flows in this wineskin, Lord, there is no stopping. There is no stopping the flow of the blood of Jesus to every single part of the body in Jesus' name. May you have your way. And all the people said, amen, amen. I know I've gone over time a bit, church. I just felt I needed to finish that. If you're needing prayer, please.